The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss challenges and opportunities for your usage of data. Joining us is Howard Lux, who is the Managing Director at IOTA, which is an audience technology platform that enables the intelligent use of data. The IOTA team helps marketers, data owners, and research companies to provide distinct, comprehensive, and qualified audience data using a technology platform that transforms that audience data to enable organizations to make smarter business decisions, understand their customers, and enrich their marketing strategies. And today, Howard and I are going to talk through some of the publishers' data challenges and opportunities. Okay, here's my conversation with Howard Lux, Managing Director at IOTA. Howard, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, Ben. Very excited to have you on the show. Data is always a hot topic these days, partially because obviously the world is changing. We're able to collect more data. The best marketers figure out how to use it. Also, there's some ongoing concerns with privacy, and that impacts data as well. Let's start off just getting a little background on you and your company. Who are you and what is IOTA? Sure. So thank you again for having me. I am the managing director of IOTA. IOTA is an audience technology. We work with lots of different data suppliers to bring in, aggregate, and normalize data coming from online publishers, offline data owners, mobile companies. We classify that into categories. And then we make that data available via programmatic channels so people can build, I call them personas, if you're looking to target a male or female running enthusiast of a certain age or certain income, you can come in and leverage our data or data that comes from many of our partners so that you can more intelligently market to prospective consumers. Okay, so I would define that as you're a data aggregator and supplier, right? You're taking data from a couple disparate sources. You mentioned publishers, offline data sources, mobile companies, and you're able to build these profiles and then people can target the type of audience that they want. Am I thinking about this correctly? You're thinking about it correctly. Uh, one small nuance in there is that what we try to do is normalize it. So let me just give you an example. So we might be working with an online travel agent somebody searches for a trip on that online travel agent to go from New York to, let's say, London, we'll take that in as a route pairing as well as an international traveler. 
Now, if British Airways wants to reach people that are either international travelers or flying from New York to London, and again, maybe they want to add B2B data, so they want a C-level executive, they can come in and they can build their own profiles or their own personas, but we've aggregated and normalized that. So we don't actually pre-build unless they've asked us to, and we can come to that later. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the landscape of data. We mentioned that we're going to talk about some challenges and opportunities. Uh, And I said before, hey, the people that are able to get access to data and efficiently use it are going to be the best marketers, but there's also some privacy concerns. As you think of the landscape of data usage, are we seeing consumers give up more data? Are we seeing brands access more data? Talk to me about some of the trends that you see in the overall data usage space. I think the challenge, quite frankly, is that we've hit this inflection point where consumers are asking for control of their data. And you saw GDPR in Europe, and you're seeing CCPA here in California, and I'm sure we will see it follow in other states. I think from an industry perspective, that's a good thing because it helps give consumers control, helps us in the long term improve the quality of our assets. The challenge, however, is a lot of that requires some significant technical infrastructure changes. And for smaller publishers, that's not always an easy thing to keep up with. Yeah, it's funny. I was at a conference earlier this week, and they basically said there's no way that Facebook can comply with CCPA. So they're basically just taking the route of SUIS, and we'll figure it out then. Obviously, there are some massive infrastructure challenges that need to happen across a very broad and disparate industry. Uh, You know, everybody is a data collector of some sort if you have a website and if you have any sort of analytics. And it's going to be hard to enable consumers to be able to get access as appropriate as that is to be able to use the data. When you think about some of the usage techniques, obviously, privacy is a huge concern and rightfully so. But when you think about how marketers are using data, you know, talk to me about the landscape and who is doing this the right way and doing it in a sophisticated fashion. At the beginning of our conversation, we touched on just one use case, which is third-party targeting. And in all honesty, they've been doing this a long time. And unless you have a really crack trading team that has dug into what your objectives are and then are willing to transparently communicate those objectives... Sometimes it's like throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks, right? You're testing a number of things. What I'm seeing in terms of trends is a lot of smarter marketers are trying to pull data into their first-party environments to run lookalike models, do data enrichment, and understand more broadly what else their consumers are interested in doing, and then applying that to their media mix and targeting out in the programmatic ecosystem. So they have a better sense of what will work and what will resonate with prospective clients. So walk me through that a little bit. I understand the difference between first-party and third-party data. First-party data being data that you collect by yourself and third-party data being data somebody else collects that you get access to. How are people using third-party data and adding it to their first-party data sources? I guess that seems like it would be making second-party data, but I don't actually know what that is. Let me give you a couple of ways I've seen it done. So we work with a very large bank. Unfortunately, I can't disclose. But what they've done is they have a number of financial products that are fairly considered purchases. And what they've asked us to do is essentially put our IOTA tags in their conversion funnel, capture the audiences that go through the conversion process, 
and then run lookalike modeling against that conversion process to see which audiences essentially index or correlate highly to their conversion funnel. And then they buy third-party audiences that have indexed highly against that conversion funnel. And they're seeing much better performance because they know, again, to my earlier example, that a certain financial product indexes more highly against male runners than female organic food shoppers as just an outlandish example. Yeah, those female fruit shoppers never seem to convert for me either. So essentially what you're saying is that instead of taking third-party data and saying, okay, I'm testing two groups, men that like to run and women who buy fruits, instead of taking those and just running ads against them, what you're doing is taking your first-party data, seeing of the people that you know convert, which one of them map to a certain one of your third-party data groups validate the value of each of those categories and then going back and saying, okay, now I know which category is going to be valuable. And then you start buying and applying your third party data. Correct. Okay. So it's a validation strategy to allow you, you're essentially enriching your first party data by adding the category that the consumer is in. And then when you see a propensity to buy within that category, you can go and buy more third party data. But at the end of the day, the goal here is to use the third-party data to generate net new leads. To try to find people that are not currently your customers, that's correct. Okay, so when we're talking about challenges and opportunities in the usage of data, I think that that's an opportunity, right? Using third-party data to enrich your first-party data, right? Understanding where there is an opportunity to grow by mapping it against the data that you've collected and are certain is accurate. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about some of the other challenges and opportunities that you see in the space. I mean, the challenge there is, one, not all businesses have the technical and analytics chops to do that, and that all of the things that we're talking about, unfortunately, require some level of resource resource investment. 
So it often becomes, at least in my experience, challenging for businesses to sell that through internally. So that is always a challenge. Two is just talent, right? I think it depends what market you're working in. I think the U.S. is somewhat of a global role. I think the U.S. is a fairly sophisticated market, but when you try to carry some of these things out into, say, some European countries or some Latin American countries, data buying is fairly new to them. So there's a lot of education that has to go into intelligent ways to access and potentially leverage first, second, and third-party data elements. So on the challenge side, when we're looking at this model of using third-party to enrich and validate your first-party data, there is a technology and a people challenge. Talk to me about some of the technology and what is required to be able to use third-party data to validate your first-party data with the goal of being able to just go out and buy data and understand that it's going to have a high likelihood of converting. Talk to me about some of those technological challenges and what are some of the platforms and services that you've seen mitigate some of those challenges? Sure. So in my initial example, that's a fairly lightweight implementation for that financial services company. And then a lot of the technical work was done on the IRS side. A different use case, which requires a little bit more thinking, is we work with a large global CPG company that actually knows nothing about what happens in terms of purchase activity because they don't control any purchase activity. So what they're working with us on is how do we communicate more intelligently when consumers come to our site? So how do we know if the person that just landed on our site is male or female? What age brackets do they fall into? What income might they have? Now, in order to do that, they need to work with either a DMP or some platform that has allowed them to collect and architect a lot of their site traffic or product SKUs. And that typically takes some level of data science and data architecture within the organization or within a marketing team. And you mentioned DMP, just for anybody that's not familiar with the term, what is a DMP? It's a data management platform. So data management platforms allow marketers to collect and aggregate elements of their first party traffic, either coming from a, an offline CRM system or coming from the website itself, captured through uh, JavaScript tags and then classified into categories. Right. So you laid out another use case where we're not talking about using third-party data to enrich first-party data to look for channels. It's that you don't actually get the conversion data and using, you know, when you go to buy your Frosted Flakes or whatever brand cereal that you like to eat in the morning, they don't actually see the transaction when you go to Safeway. So how do they understand who their customers are? They're looking at their website data. And when somebody visits, they have to collect as much demographic data as they possibly can, which means marrying third-party data sources with the first-party data that they're able to collect. Exactly. And a good example use case, I worked many years ago with a large hotel chain, and they simply said, wouldn't it be great if I understood if somebody is looking for a trip in Miami, New York, or London? Because when they come to our homepage, I can simply just put hotel properties in those regions of the world or country, and it makes a much better user experience. And from that, it's a significant increase in the number of bookings happening through their site just by creating a better user experience. So I guess the question is, can you do this all in real time? Assuming you have the right people and the right platforms put into place, 
In this example, someone is looking for a trip. They haven't got to my web property before. They come, I'm able to cookie and pixel them, and I'm able to get a general understanding of who they are based on their behaviors on the site, but they're a new user. Can I marry third-party data against that experience in real time to say, oh, looks like this person's looking for a trip in Miami. Let's serve Miami results on the homepage or able to dynamically change my content to be able to serve them? Or do they have to be repeat visitors that have shown an indication of interest in a specific trip? It can be done in real-ish time. I say real-ish in the sense that there needs to be a handshake between our platform, as an example, and the marketer's platform. So if they have the ability to accept data into their DMP or their content management system, as soon as we have seen that come off of one of our data suppliers' websites, we can pass that to them. Now, how quickly they can parse it and then action it on their site is really dependent on their infrastructure. And typically, it's fairly rare that if I use myself as an example, at least in the way I typically book trips, I'll book or search for an airline and then a flight, and then it will be days later that I go to actually look for a hotel. So I'm not going from, say, a kayak or a Delta straight to a Marriott. It's usually book my flight, some lag time. Yeah, so you have a little time for the data platforms to understand what you're looking for, and then you're able to marry those experiences together by the time the person shows up on the Marriott.com website. Correct. The bigger challenge, I think, and this is where a good marketer and a good marketing analytics team who understands their customer comes into play is understanding the length of consideration in that purchase and playing with recency and frequency numbers, right? Like how quickly should you potentially be expiring a cookie? So for something like in-market travel, and I might be getting into the weeds here, so I apologize. For something like in-market travel, do you really need to hold that cookie for 30 to 90 days? Is that really No, you got five days until they book the trip. Correct. So that actually brings me to my last question. You know, we've talked about a couple of different ways and some challenges that people can use data and marry first and third party data together to enrich the buying experience, to provide more relevant advertising, to merchandise your website, to understand who the customer is and what their likely journey is going to be. You mentioned the programmatic advertising side, and honestly, programmatic to me is one of those terms and even industries that I find has a different meaning to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, this is essentially display advertising where you're using real-time bidding and you're able to feed some data that you have to try to create some lookalike audiences and essentially do kind of what Facebook does is who's the most likely person to buy and optimize your bidding in real time to make sure that you're paying what you should be for the right person at the right place at the right time. When you talk about integrating some of the data experiences that you mentioned into the programmatic experiences, what are some of the challenges and some of the opportunities that you see in that space? We are in a fortunate position like a few other platforms to have pre-integrated our data into platforms like the trade desk, like MediaMath, like Mobi, right? So if a trader goes into any of those platforms, they can, in their programmatic and planning workflow, access and build audiences against IOTA data or IOTA's partners' data. So a MasterCard or an Experian as examples. I think first challenge is traders are ripe with choice. There are lots of different data elements. So how do you choose the right data element? And how do you make it easy 
and how we as a data company, how can we be empathetic to a trader? And so we spent a lot of time just thinking about how we can make our data more discoverable, how we can remove data elements that aren't necessarily important. And then the biggest challenge and the number one question we get of late is transparency. So how can you actually stand by and validate that, you know, if you say somebody's in market for a trip, they actually are. So us as a business, we're doing a lot this year. We're working with IAB Data Label to, um, and their Data Transparency Initiative. We're working with a, another company called Neutronian and trying to create that quote-unquote organic food section within our data marketplace that says these elements have been validated and vetted through some level of additional external auditing for quality and transparency. Yeah, I'll go back to my feelings about the programmatic advertising. I've you know worked in marketing for a little bit. We're like 15 to 20 years somewhere here. And I've done plenty of advertising and I've done plenty of interviews with other smart marketers. I still find it confusing as crap. There is so much technology built into programmatic advertising and so many data sources that to me, that is the big risk. There are so many providers. There are so many optimization techniques. There are so many data sources. Like That's the big risk in the data space when you start thinking about programmatic advertising is if you're not working with somebody who really knows what they're doing, there's a lot of risk, right? There's a lot of uncertainty and, and there's a lot of implementation risk that you're validating against the wrong data set or the wrong metrics. At the end of the day, and perhaps this is where I get a little old school, you have to build trust and relationships with everybody that you're working with so that you can get to the root of what their marketing objectives are so that you can be a good and thoughtful partner working in conjunction with whatever DSP they're using, whatever agency they're using, and hopefully us as a data vendor. And we can come together to help deliver a solution that makes sense for the marketer. Because if it's all done in a vacuum, I think you're 100% correct. It becomes confusing. The marketer thinks it's a black box. They don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So I think you have to, at least in the beginning, create a dialogue between all of the parties to get to what it is we're trying to drive as an end result for our shared partner. Lots to think about when it comes to the usage of data, challenges in the data space. Howard, I appreciate you coming on as a data provider, talking to us about how data is used and some of the best practices. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Howard Lux, Managing Director of IOTA, for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Howard and I are going to discuss the In-House Marketer's Guide to a Data Roadmap. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Howard, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is hlux, H-L-U-K-S, or you can visit his company's website, which is iota.com, E-Y-E-O-T-A.com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you could write to me directly. My handle is Ben B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. 
And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Howard Lux, the managing director at IOTA, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.